The Drive. Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that samples as much as it can of the experiences of cars and transport. I'm David Brown and in this program we look at news stories with David Campbell, including consumer reports that rank the various companies' self-driving systems. A number of cars sell for record prices and stamps are issued with Hot Wheels cars on them to celebrate 50 years of the toy vehicles. The major part of the program this week is dedicated to a jaunty look at the jalopies from the Paris Motor Show. Well, the concept cars, anyway. Brian Smith, Errol Smith and I cast an acerbic eye over what the car companies are trying to do to catch your attention. Is it practical? Will they ever come into production? Who knows, but we tell you what we think. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au or you can podcast previous programs on iTunes. So let's start the program with the news. This year's Bathurst 1000 was eventful for a number of reasons. Craig Lowndes, in his last year of full-time racing, won Australia's most famous supercar event for the seventh time, putting him just two race wins behind Peter Brock's amazing record. But much of the post-race focus has been on last year's winner, David Reynolds, who led for most of the race. However, cramps, sleep deprivation and anxiety proved costly as he was overtaken by Lowndes with just 26 laps to go. Questions are now being asked as to why the Erebus team kept Reynolds out on the racetrack for so long, possibly endangering other drivers in the race. Before the race, fans were warned to take it easy on the roads, citing driver fatigue as one of the big killers on New South Wales roads. And on the subject of driver fatigue, the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator, or NHVR, is investing in new field trials to test driver fatigue monitoring technologies which can enhance heavy vehicle safety outcomes. At the NHVR Fatigue Safety Forum recently held in Sydney, Deputy Prime Minister and Infrastructure, Transport and Regional Development Minister Michael McCormack said the aim of the field trials is to stimulate new technologies with the potential to reduce road deaths and trauma, targeting driver fatigue management. He said driver fatigue is a major killer on Australian roads and in the heavy vehicle industry, with current estimates showing 8-20% to of all crashes are fatigue-related. The US National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is moving ahead with plans to revise safety rules that bar fully self-driving cars from the roads, without equipment like steering wheels, pedals and mirrors, according to Reuters. A U.S. transportation report says that self-driving cars have the potential to dramatically reduce traffic crashes and road deaths, but added the public has legitimate concerns about the safety, security and privacy of automated technology. Automakers must currently meet nearly 75 auto safety standards, many of which were written with the assumption that a licensed driver will be in control of the vehicle. In January, General Motors filed a petition seeking an exemption from the current rules to deploy vehicles without steering wheels and other human controls as part of a ride-sharing fleet it plans to deploy in 2019. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has not supported the petition. In the latest ranking of automaker self-driving systems, 
Tesla's popular autopilot system ranks second to Cadillac's Super Cruise system. The ratings come from Consumer Reports, which tested the cars on its test track and on local highways, in both lead and following positions. The organisation rated the systems on their capability and ease of use, how they ensure that drivers stay engaged, and to what degree the systems allow drivers to engage them in circumstances that they're not designed to be used. Consumer Reports noted that none of the systems qualify as self-driving, even though some automakers market them as such. The organisation rated Tesla's autopilot system the most capable and as having the best performance among the four it tested, but it scored the worst at keeping the driver engaged, which dropped it below Cadillac's Super Cruise system in the overall ratings. Automaker Honda is to invest $2.7 billion in General Motors and Cruise to develop a purpose-built autonomous vehicle for large-scale manufacture and deployment. The Japanese carmaker has committed the large sum of cash over 12 years to reach the shared goal with General Motors to transform mobility. Combined with recent SoftBank investments in Cruise, the total valuation of the AV company is now a combined $14.6 billion. Peter Brock's 1982-83 Bathurst-winning HDT VH Commodore was the first car to win two Bathurst races in a row and has continued to break records 35 years later. It recently sold for a record-breaking $2.1 million at auction. Craig Lowndes also auctioned off his race suit to raise money for the V8 Supercars Drought Relief Fund. Following the passing of Burt Reynolds last month, a collection of the late actors' vehicles were recently put up for sale in Las Vegas. Reynolds had been selling off cars from his collection in recent years, with some of the proceeds going to fund the Burt Reynolds Institute that support acting students and film production. A 1978 Trans Am, a duplicate of the Smokey and the Bandit movie car, sold for $192,000. Another Trans Am and a Chevrolet pickup were also sold for a total combined selling price of $330,000. Burt Reynolds had personally autographed each vehicle. The original Spokey and the banded cars were destroyed after filming due to liability issues. Universal forbid the sale after finishing the film due to possible frame damage. And finally, Hot Wheels is celebrating its 50th birthday this year and the US Postal Service has issued a collection of Hot Wheel stamps to mark the event. In total, 10 Hot Wheel designs are featured on the stamps, from the Roger Dodger Mushel car to the Purple Passion and Shark Cruiser. And that has been the news. And let's do some quirky news from the world of motoring and transport. On the line is Brian Smith. Gay Brian. G'day, David. And Errol Smith. Gay Errol. G'day, David. Some reflections from the Paris Motor Show. Gentlemen, is not the greatest kitsch car you could possibly have is a stretch limo. Ugly as sin, usually. Might have the front and the back of a Mercedes, but the overall package is terrible. And then they go and paint them pink. Renault have tried to make them look good. A low, cut-down, stretched-body vehicle with the wheels sort of protruding a little and encompassed all in a mudguard almost down to the uh, ground. Would you be keen to go to your formal in one of these? David, I'm not sure. It's hard to tell from it if it's coming or going. Oh, yes. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't know if I was arriving or leaving. So um, it's, it's it, designed it, to be autonomous, isn't it? 
It's level four autonomous, which basically means it can go anywhere except a country road. It's not quite anywhere. It's got to have enough road markings and things to be able to survive. But as you say, Errol, then a country road wouldn't do. Is this means that you don't have that difficult job of getting a driver to take around a bunch of drunken school students <laughs> but but who's yeah. going to clean up after after you when you when, when you've thrown up in the back oh, that's a very good point errol yeah. is this the sort of car that would perhaps be appropriate given the nature in which it's going to be used a la what errol just said mm. Mm. i'm trying mm. to work out how it looks for me it's it's like a kind of a black cockroach like a Yes. It looks a bit like a cockroach, which is a Renault and Citroen sort of thing, isn't it? Um, and it has a gigantic sliding door. So the idea is I think it's supposed to be autonomous and uh, or, you know, no driver. It just has a big cabin and a, this big rotating seat inside to allow you to get in. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting that manufacturers are now starting to think a little bit more about how people might use these things. Um and, and I guess expressing how these things might look. So, mm. yeah, good go. Um, the window yeah. on the side has a lattice type effect at angles. It looks almost like those cartoon spider eyes. You know, that you sometimes see the spider has oh, yeah. mm. weird sort of eyes on the side of it. And, and you said it has a sliding door. Where does it slide to? Because the door seems to be recessed a little. Where does it come out and slide to the front of the car? You know, right down the side of the front of the car? Mm, it's not clear. Yeah. Mm. I'm a bit confused about what's what because the entire side of the vehicle looks like you can't see through it. Right. Mm. Like there's some kind of curtain or something over the entire side windows. Mm. Uh, so I don't oh. know if you can see out much. I think we've got the technology to now to uh, you know make windows um, see through or opaque. I think uh, electronically, so it may well be that you could have for privacy. You could um, have it set up so no one can see in. I always thought that privacy is essential when you're in one of those big ugly ones because you don't want, you don't to, be want to be seen. seen. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, but this one is far more modern. They're not ex- they're not cheap, you know. I think to hire one is. Typically in the order, is it $350 an hour or is it much more? So this wow. is interesting to me because everyone's looking at this sort of premium level. It's this on-demand luxury limousine, you know. So so where's the kind of um, everyman's car, the Volkswagen, the, mm-hmm. the, the vehicle that hopefully will be carrying, you know, we hoi polloi well, rather than the very wealthy folk? Brian, didn't you know that the, uh, the, the level four that refers to the uh, level of autonomy of the car. Also refers to um, your your level of income that you need <laughs> to be seen in one of these things. So it's you know it'll be the haves and the have-nots. The haves yeah. will be you know you know having this lovely ride to work in a self-driven limousine, and the rest of us will be still controlling our own cars. Yeah, or on public transport. I yeah. took Matthew to his year ten formal when everyone was arriving in stretched limos and that. And I had met a guy and he drove and it was rather kind of him to do so, pretty well lending him his a car. The, we gave him a, a case of beer. But it was a 1936 Cord. Oh, lovely. 
beautiful big mud guards, exhaust pipes out the side, you know, the supercharged version, and absolutely different. Four of them went in it, and we all took pictures of it, and I think it actually hit the mark much more. I was even popular for a week as a father, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, David, was it as good-looking as the Ferrari Monza SP2? Do you like this? This is a two-seater sports car. I think it's in the design of going back to the earlier Jaguars, the D-Type mm. in particular. It's particularly the grille. It doesn't have a bulge in the bonnet, but it certainly have bulges over the wheel arches. But it then has that bulge behind the driver or the passenger, if you happen to have one, that makes it look like a D-type Jaguar. But there's one in black. Do you like it in black? If I was still a kid, I'd be pestering my daddy for a toy of this car oh. until uh, and, until the, the cows came home. Or it I has got some one. Ferrari red bits, doesn't it? The seats and the yes. Oh, yes. disc brakes. Yes. Uh, brake calipers are red. In Europe, yellow is the colour to have the brakes. In Australia, it's red. Now, the back of these, they have, and it's a bit similar to the stretched limo, they have these sort of smooth back now. And if you look at the back of the Ferrari, the line around, I guess, what you call a boot line, is not real tight. It looks quite a gap, not excessively, but more than normal. It actually looks a little bit like a whale smiling. (laughs) It's got a rather different sort of look to it. And it's got those sort of, I don't know, cowl coming off the back of the driver's seat. Yes. You know, a bit like the Batmobile. Oh, okay. Yes. That's my D-type Jaguar reference. Yes. I'm a bit older than you, Errol. (laughs) It's an interesting contrast, David, isn't it? The sort of autonomous Renault, kind of quirky, unusual-looking vehicle from Renault at the uh, at the show, and then the sort of the Ferrari Monza and the Infinity Project Black S concept, these massively powerful yes. sort of sports cars. It's, it's such an interesting contrast. You know, I think it tells us that the industry isn't all that sure where we're going. We're cycling in a way, aren't we? I don't mean riding a bike. I mean, we're going through cycles because the Ferrari is back to the smooth lines of a sports car rather than the Lamborghini Transformer type of angles. Mm. I mean, even the Huracan Mm. from Lamborghini, their latest one, has, you know, it's been around for a few years, has smoother lines to it. So it's really fashion, isn't it? Uh, But the the Infinity's back to the angle one. I feel like we've got a little bit of the Toyota Prius happening with the the self-driving car, which is that it has to look look strange to sort of stand out to say, I'm in a self-driving car, I'm not in a normal car. Look at me, look at me, I've I've got the special car. Now, you mentioned the Infinity Project Black S concept. This is Infinity trying to do a Lexus, really, isn't it? Which is what it is. It's Nissan's Lexus equivalent. But it's still a little bit of the old angled sort of thing. I I think it looks a bit like a rich person's Mustang. Yes, yes, exactly. It's very Mustang-like. 563 horsepower. Good Lord. Yes, there's almost certainly a a, a bit of a GTR sitting under the the guts of Yeah, but it seems to me that they're designing and and presenting vehicles that there will increasingly be nowhere for them to go, no no places where they can drive. I mean, mm. what world world are these people in where they think, you know, in our cities and where we're going with cities that we're going to have these kinds of vehicles driving around on the roads? Mm. Audi have taken that to the next level, haven't they? Because the, the car that they've got at the motor show 
you couldn't even drive on the road if you yes, wanted to it's because it's, it's a race car. And they're basically saying, here's the race car that we're going to base the, the future road vehicles on. Now, they will race it. It is undoubtedly in that GT3 spec allows them to enter a car that's sort of based on a production. We've seen it here in the 12-hour race around Bathurst, where they have great Ferraris and Lamborghinis and the Nissan GTR, but they put huge wings on the back. This one has a wing on the back which could double as a pergola. <laughs> you could safely sit underneath it in the rain, but you wouldn't want to take it onto the street, even if you could, because I think what's happening now is they're building cars like race cars, huge horsepower, which you'll never use on the street. The only place to use it is to take it to a club day and go for a fang around a circuit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. This is Overdrive across Australia. We talked about that then. Something like the Infinity is rather traditional. We won't go into it now, but we did mention last week the Peugeot E-Legend. It's really mm. going right back, isn't it, to maybe of the late 70s type of yes. sports car. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is where they've sort of they've gone maybe in the what you might call the right direction in that it's a... A sporty, powerful car, but it's also got self-driving capabilities. Oh, okay. So it's a sports car as well as being an autonomous car. Why would you have a sports car you don't drive? Yes, and this is, I think, mm. what again, this this problem that the industry has. They're, they're ready for this autonomy, and then they're, they're still kind of saying, well, you really want to drive this car. So are they committed to the autonomous future, or are they just pretending and, and saying to people, you know, we understand you still want to drive this thing. You still want to mm. have a human error and kill somebody. Yes. They have committed to have 455 horsepower in it. Horsepower, yep. I was talking to a professor from Monash University of Psychology who was looking at the pure ethics that if an autonomous car is much safer, then are you morally accountable if you drive manually around yeah, the streets? Yeah, choose mm. not to use it. Gentlemen, the 2019 Mercedes-Benz AMG A35, it's a little hatchback. Would you pay that extra money, get a Mercedes-Benz and have something that looks like a Hyundai? It does look like a Hyundai, <laughs> doesn't it? It's, it's so... Um, Ordinary. De derivative. Yeah, derivative is a better word, yeah. I wonder if they're intentionally trying to make a sleeper car because there's almost <laughs> nothing to this aside from the low-profile wheels and a sort of a, a subtle line down the bottom of the doors. But otherwise, you wouldn't think this was anything interesting. Let me say I'm not condemning the Hyundai at all. There's some very nice cars. I drove their i30N the other day, real little performer that it is, but it fits into that market. The Mercedes, you wanted to be able to tell it's a Mercedes at 50 metres. Yeah. Other mm. than just the badge. 400 mm. horsepower, they're talking about. Eight-speed gearbox has all the latest technology. And talking about technology, the Citroen DS3 Crossback. There's a new word for us, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> Sounds like a type of marine turtle. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of looks like one too. If you cross back, you go back to where you started from, isn't it? <laughs> I don't understand that. 
It's a crossover SUV. So I'm, I'm not quite sure why they call right. it. Uh, but it's electric, and they reckon it will get 183 miles of range. Uh, my mathematics is not fantastic. What's that, about 300K? Would that be about right? Yeah, about something right, like yeah. that. It does, it's not a not a lot to boast about well, compared to what, what the te- Teslas and so on are doing. But um, Teslas have always had that great range, and perhaps they're expensive for that reason. But they're now starting to talk. I think Hyundai actually have a, an electric vehicle coming out that will be 450Ks. But even mm. some of the more recent ones that have been announced have not had more than about uh, 250 to 100 uh, to 300k. I guess you know, there's barely they're, they're, any usable electric vehicles on the market in Australia. I mean, we're looking for a seven-seater car at the moment and trying to get a hybrid or a, an electric vehicle in that you know, practical seven-seater is, is almost impossible unless you're willing mm. to spend huge amounts of money. Well, you could get Tesla X, which is a... Yeah, Tesla Model X. Mm, I had the top-of-the-range one, $300,000, Brian, with mm. gullwing doors. That would give you confidence. Gullwings, yeah. What, what am I going to do with the roof racks, David? <laughs> I want to put the pod on the top. I couldn't buy a Tesla. I'd, I'd rather buy uh, a car from a car company, really. <laughs> yes. Who knows what they're doing. They were an investment property with that kind of money. Yeah. Would you buy one from Vietnam? Vinfast, a new company, is just about to put cars on the road, a mid-size sedan and an SUV, and it's from and made in Vietnam. Is that mm. a, an indication of where we're going in the future? Oh, I'm sure I've got some parts in my computer from Vinfast. <laughs> um. Well, it might be good. It's, oh, it just sounds like a PC, PC parts manufacturer. Yeah. Although, to, to say that they've developed this car in Vietnam is probably giving them a little bit too much credit because they've basically got the previous generation BMW 5 Series and X5 and slapped on a few different panels. And they've used some Italian design firms, mm. Intel Design and Pininfarina, Although I believe that they gave the people of Vietnam the opportunity to determine the styling direction at the very start of the process. More than 62,000 people voted when they were presented with 20 design sketches from Vietnam. I wonder if one of them was a motorbike with a roof on it. (laughs) Did they ask them to vote on the name, David? Did they end up calling it Kari McCarface or something like that? <laughs> well, gentlemen, and finally, I did send to you rather late the Smart for Ease concept. Smart cars have built another smart car for the market. Any thoughts? They look like they've built it for Noddy's market. Yes. Yeah. This looks like a kid's toy and an ugly one at that. <laughs> uh, the first picture I sent you was the front. I. Actually, I think it's the front. It's a bit hard to tell. (laughs) It really looks like it's been in a compactor, hasn't it? Front and rear. And it's just pushed in any bonnet or boot that it might have ever had. And so it's really just a little body with little bits on wheels. And the wheels are rather big, I would think. Mm. It's all very distorted. It's just like it's all been stretched and squashed into a sort of vertical... It's like it's made from Play-Doh or something. I was going to say plasticine. How many people is it supposed to fit? Two. Just two. Mm. Without much luggage, I would suggest. Yeah, there's not much room to put anything. 
I take it it's electric, is it, David? I believe so. I, I, yes, I have them. Well, gentlemen, the Paris car show, quite interesting. Interesting that they're building a wild concept cars now in virtual reality because in Australia, at least, there's no great car shows to actually show a physical presence. The only way they can build a car in Australia these days is virtually. Yes, and they're employing more people and they're being the experts in some areas to GM worldwide by being that yes we don't we don't manufacture perhaps in the future we may manufacture again but it won't be down a huge expensive production line it'll probably be more 3d printing or things but our expertise is in cleverness rather than in manufacturing as we know it today uh, finally errol to change the subject lexus didn't have one of their great flagships they might say. What exactly have they built in this case? Well, David, I think this one wasn't there because they couldn't fit it through the door. <laughs> you could say that this this is their first true off-road production vehicle. Um, <laughs> that's yeah, that's because Errol. that's because it's a boat. <laughs> they did have a speedboat concept thing a couple of years ago, but that was just you know a bit of marketing fluff. This thing they will actually build in the lineup of. Lexus vehicles, the LY650, it just kind of sounds like another random jumbling of a couple of letters followed by some random numbers, uh, like every other Lexus model. But it's certainly their biggest vehicle yet. It's almost 20 metres long and 6 metres wide. And the twin 12.8 litre engines should keep it moving at a reasonable pace. Yes, a great yacht indeed, with a fuel capacity of 3,785 litres. Mm. You'd need to have a fairly good credit card if you wanted to fill those up, wouldn't you? I'd have filled yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, they haven't announced pricing for this model, but it's the kind of thing that if you need to ask how much it costs, you certainly can't afford it. Yes. So release next year, I think. Is it, David? First one will be out next year. I don't really think it's a Lexus because I couldn't see the giant black grill coming <laughs> from the front. Or the Nike swoosh eyes as headlights. It's actually made by a US boat builder using a Volvo marine engine. So is this, dare I say, a rebadge of another manufacturer's product by Lexus? <laughs> a Toyota. A Toyota boat. <laughs> Well, I was wondering which Toyota it's model a, it was based on. That's right. It's the Camry, uh, the Camry <laughs> uh, yacht. It's available in white. Yeah, it's available in white. This one's in gold. The outboard out the back comes from a tinny. Yeah. It's called using the parts that are available. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, David. Brian Smith and Errol Smith talking some unusual news about transport in the sense of boats and cars, but mainly about cars. This has been Overdrive. My thanks to David Campbell, Brian Smith, Errol Smith, Chris Neville and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive can be heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. For more information, go to drivenmedia.com.au or podcast previous programs on iTunes. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. <laughs>